It doesn't matter where you look in the books of history. From the beginning of mankind, the Roman Empire, the kings and queens of the Middle Ages, World War I and II, and countless other events that have or will occur. There's something that you will find that all of these events have in common, which is the presence of evil. I'm not talking about rude comments or ungrateful actions or thoughts, even though these are a form of evil. I'm rather focusing on true evil that is meant to harm, oppress, and destroy everything that is good and just. This evil can appear in many forms, from racism, discrimination, anti-Semitism, or the simple lust for power and control. If men aren't careful, they can become consumed by these ideologies, at times reaching a point where they think these actions are just and good. This has led to many tyrants and conquerors throughout the history of the world, each getting worse as time and technology progressed. Many of these people had loyal followings, people who may have been consumed by these desires or were simply led blindly by the well-worded lies of their leaders. Every time, however, men and women who have followed these barbaric traits left in their wake a path of destruction and death that has left scars that lasted for centuries. Many of these tyrants had a hatred for the good things and people of the world, and many tried their best to exterminate these lights so that their darkness could rule unopposed. You would think that every man and woman who knew that these actions and people were evil would rise up to stop it, to help those in need, and to fight for the justice and peace of all. But often, that is not the case. Whether by fear, bribery, or cowardness, many people often will simply ignore the evil around them, thinking to themselves that their perfect little world will go on as the rest of the world around them burns into oblivion. Sadly, these instincts of the natural man have allowed many of these dark times to continue for years and decades, not because the people accepted these acts, but rather to save their own skins. However, every once in a while, there are those select few who rise up to fight the darkness around them. These angels, as I believe most of them are, often face impossible odds many of whom end up giving their lives in the fight for good. These solo acts, however, often inspire those around them to rise up as well. And as long as courage and the desire to fight for good remain strong, these evil lords and actions are eventually defeated, giving away to a newfound sense of freedom and hope. As the world continues to descend farther and farther into darkness and chaos, I'd like to fan the light of resistance and hope in my own way by sharing the story of one of the most remarkable women of the past century. This woman faced an enemy that is considered by most to be true evil, one that destroyed or left its mark on not just the world, but on a religion and a way of life. What she accomplished was a miracle, and she did it out of the kindness of her heart and her utmost desire to resist evil. With that, I welcome you to another episode of Dust Off the Shelf as we explore the story of the angel of the Warsaw Ghettos, Irina Sendler. Warsaw, the capital city of Poland, has for centuries stood as a symbol of pride and joy for the Polish people, 
a status that has only grown with the advance of technology into the 21st century. However, if we were to turn back the clocks to the early 1940s, we'd find a very different scenario, one of chaos and darkness. In September of 1939, a joint invasion from Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union sparked the conflict that would later be known as World War II. The world could do nothing as the Polish defenses fell to the wrath of the two superpowers that came crashing down on it. But little did they know that this was just the beginning of the hell on earth that would come, especially by the hands of the Germans. By this time, it was no secret that the Nazi ranks stank of anti-Semitism, fueled by decades of lies and hatred from their tyrannical leader, Adolf Hitler. In Hitler's perfect world, there were no Jews. They were the scum of the earth and the root cause of all the world's problems. You would think that he would have hidden these evil desires to gain the support of his people. But in fact, it was the opposite. Hitler was so confident in his ideologies that he had them published in his infamous book, Mein Kampf. The world was horrified as the possible outcomes that could come from this kind of thinking. But either by arrogance or self-gain, a majority of the German people embraced these radical, genocidal ideals. By the time of the Polish invasion, millions of men and women had joined the Nazi cause, with millions willing to fight for their fewer. While this invasion was truly horrific, this was only the beginning of Hitler's ultimate goal. In the weeks following the invasion, Hitler sent Heinrich Himmler and his SS men to initiate what he called the Final Solution, or as that would later, later be known, the Holocaust. Himmler and the SS represented the worst of the radical anti-Semitism of the Nazis, and they were willing to go to great lengths to show it, especially on the nation of Poland, which had one of the highest Jewish populations of Europe at the time. The horrors that these men would afflict during the nearly six years of occupations were truly horrific and the city of Warsaw would suffer through some of the worst of it. For the Jews that weren't killed in the initial conflict, many were cl clammed into the slums of Warsaw, eventually to be put into an area of town later known as the Warsaw Ghettos. Conditions in this ghetto were truly horrific, with many dying, dying on a daily basis and all suffering in some way. But this was just the start of this hardship. For the Warsaw Ghettos, were just a waiting ground for a fate worse than death. Nearly all of the Jews here were sent to the demonic concentration camps, with many in Warsaw being sent to the worst one of all, Auschwitz. Here they were beaten, mutilated, and experimented upon, overworked, shot, gassed, starved, and the list goes on and on. Many people in occupied territories knew that these barbaric acts were happening right under their nose. But many people either looked the other way or simply did nothing. Now, keep in mind that this wasn't because the people accepted these acts. No, it was because of the fear for their own lives. For many who opposed the regime of the Nazi cause were hunted down by the Gestapo, Hitler's secret, secret police force. Many of those arrested by the Gestapo would receive the same punishment as the Jewish people, a fate that many people naturally wanted to avoid to save their own skin and their own families. And so, even though people wanted to fight, 
They simply did nothing, all the while watching the evil acts of a tyrannical madman come into fruition. There were, however, a few people that fought this representation of evil, one of whom was Irina Sendler. A Warsaw native, born in 1910, Irina Sendler was in most aspects just a normal Polish citizen. She had always been heavily involved with her community, studying law at the University of Warsaw and graduating with honors. She worked as a legal counselor in a social help clinic, where she worked especially close with mothers and children. And most importantly, she was a good wife and a mother to her three children. And though she was a great supporter of communism, her greatest loyalty was to her country and to the freedom of all people to do as they please. These qualities surely helped to prepare her for the dark days of the Nazi occupation. But there are also several factors that I'm sure ignited her hatred against her oppressors. For one, her husband, who was a Polish soldier, had been taken as a prisoner of war shortly after the German invasion. And as, war, as the Warsaw Ghetto began to take shape, she was truly saddened to see the death that faced many of the Jews. For since her childhood, she had had a deep love and respect for the Jewish, Jewish community, community of Warsaw, having gained this love from her father, Stanislaw Kiranowski, a local doctor who, in a time when anti-Semitism was normal, treated the Jews in his community and would eventually die from typhus that he contracted from one of his patients. She also had several friends and acquaintances in the local Jewish community, including a man she would eventually marry. But most importantly, having dedicated her professional career to caring for children, she couldn't bear to see those innocents be sent to the concentration camps only to be slaughtered. It was at this time that she faced an ultimatum. She could either do something or ignore it, like most, to save her own skin. If she did try saving the Jews, she knew that she faced an uphill battle with the eyes of the Gestapo and fearful neighbors, along with all the other spies. She could be exposed as a rebel to the Nazi cause and sent off to be killed just like her Jewish friends. Or, if she simply did nothing, she could save herself and her family, but she would sacrifice every belief that she held dear as the world around her gave way to oblivion. Many of us in this situation would undoubtedly face these same concerns. But Irina had something that most people tend to suppress. Courage. So, despite the risks, she decided that she would do everything in her power to fight the rising evil by saving as many of the Jewish children as possible from the impending doom that awaited them. To hide her plan from the Gestapo, she got a job as a health inspector to make sure the ghettos were sanitary enough for living in July of 1942. With this, she had complete access to the ghettos, and she could begin her work. For the next year, every day, she would enter the ghetto, finding at least one or two children, and smuggle them out. Of course, she could never just walk out with the children. So she would hide them in whatever she could in suitcases, boxes, under the ambulance that she and her fellow health inspectors had, many of whom were either resistance fighters or supporters of Sendler's cause. At first, she focused on her friends and loved ones, 
But as the Jews began to be sent to camps, she began to focus on any child that she could find. After she had smuggled them out, she would place the children in the care of resistance Polish families, the Warsaw Orphanage or Catholic convents. She'd often changed the children's names and taught them Christian prayers and values to protect their identity. But she always made sure to document each change so that she could preserve their Jewish heritage and to eventually return them to her families after the war if they survived. Of course, her actions did not go unnoticed by the Nazi regime. Rumors began to spread of the angel of the ghettos, an angelic woman who somehow found a way to get the children out. And as the Gestapo tried to hunt her down, her fame only grew, eventually becoming a symbol of hope in one of the darkest corners of the world at the time. Sadly, however, her cover was eventually blown. And on October 18th, 1943, after nearly a year of accomplishing miracles, the Gestapo raided her house and arrested her. As her house was torn apart, she was able to pass the list of all her accomplices and most importantly, the children she had rescued. A true miracle that she that would have destroyed everything she had done. However, like every true hero, she willingly sacrificed herself for her cause, and she was willing to die for it. For several weeks, she was brutally tortured by the Gestapo. But she refused to say anything that could hurt the innocent children she cared so deeply about. Even after they broke both of her legs, she refused to cave in to the growing evil that threatened to swallow her whole. Eventually, she was moved to a different location, destined to be executed by firing squad. However, at the last minute, a few of her friends bribed the guards that were escorting her, and she was able to escape the jaws of death. Naturally, you would assume that her story ended here. After all, she had saved countless lives, survived a literal trip to hell and back, and she had paid a heavy price for it. But despite all that she had faced, she refused to give up. She simply picked herself back up and went back to work. When asked about this truly brave act later, she said, you see a man drowning. You must try to save him, even if you cannot swim. Fear makes you weak, and anger makes you strong. From this point on, she worked as a nurse, under a fake name, of course, but still continuing her work of smuggling any surviving Jewish adults and children that she could. She continued her work until the bitter end which came in early 1945 when Warsaw was liberated by the Soviets. Even after the war, she continued with her undying devotion to the children that she had saved, making sure that they were either returned to their families or had a safe, permanent home to hopefully heal from the traumas that they had faced. She would live out the rest of her days in her beloved Warsaw, devoting her time to her children, her husband, her community, and most importantly, her ideals eventually passing away in 2008. She never saw herself as a hero and never sought any glory for what she had done, but her actions were never forgotten by the children she had saved. Many would seek her out throughout the years, one man even stating after reading a news article about her 
I remember your face. It was you who took me out of the ghetto. Could be said as well that he might, may have said, it was you who saved my life. To me, these are the heroes that we should honor and remember. The ones that are willing to fight for good, no matter what the cost. And most importantly, to do it not to gain fame or popularity, but out of the desire to do good. Now, you may look to yourself and say, what can I do to make a difference like Irina Sendler? The evils of the 20th century are gone. And I doubt there's anything that I can stand up against to make a difference now. What is there that I can possibly do? Of course, this is what the narrative of today's world would have you believe. But the fact of the matter is that evil not only still exists, but is on the rise. In the last few weeks alone, I've been shocked to see a rise in anti-Semitism throughout the world in the aftermath of the attack on Israel from the terrorist organization Hamas. Never in my life did I think I would see a rebirth of the same ideologies that gave birth to the Nazi party, party rise again from the ashes of history. But here we are. Along with these despicable acts, there are countless other examples of evil that if we let go unchecked, will eventually choke out all that is good and decent in this world. If you need courage, I hope that stories like this can help you realize the impact courage against evil can have. And if you need help finding the evil in our world today, I invite you to look to the past. I imagine that it won't take long to find a similarity in the recent past among the news of the world. Lastly, for those who already recognize the evil around you, but maybe afraid to take a stand, ask yourselves this. Do I want to let everything I hold dear go down the drain? Do I want to be remembered as a coward who simply let evil destroy the world around me? And no matter the consequence or outcome, isn't it worth it to fight for the good guys, to be the brave soul that others use as their inspiration to rise up? And most importantly, to be a soldier on God's side? I'm confident that with this in mind, you'll find your inspiration and you'll become a shining beacon of hope in an ever darkening world.